Welcome to Sunday Sermons from Trinity UMC in Lincoln, a podcast to help on the faith journey. Now on to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Slater. I did a little experiment with a group of people who shall remain unnamed. I think it's important to respect privacy here. And I said, what bothers you about other people? Now, already, you can tell by the laughs in the room who was part of that group, but I won't go there for a second. So, I've got a few of the examples here, and I want you to think of your own too. I hate people who have a big ego. That's a common one, actually. In fact, that might be one of the ones that I put on there. Well, that's one of the ones I put on there myself. (laughs) I hate people who are judgmental. That's a good one. People who are disrespectful. People who are self-centered. I hate people who are dishonest. Can you tell by the amount of screen space I've saved that this went on for a while? (laughs) Entitled, don't take accountability, know-it-all, those who are uh, closed-minded. I hate people who are needy, controlling, ageist or sexist, unreliable, phonies, hypocrites, liars, jealous, greed, good-enough people. That one's worth drilling down on a little bit. You you, You know what I mean by that? People, people who do their job and say, eh, that's good enough, but don't give it their all. That kind of person really makes us mad sometimes, doesn't it? Now, as with any group conversation, things eventually go off the rails. I decided to save the third column for when things went off the rails. I hate people who take forever to start turning left on a green arrow. Okay, we're getting specific now. And are you ready for my absolute favorite? Not that I play favorites, but you want to hear my absolute favorite? I hate grocery store in the middle of the aisle cart people who make you wait until they make their selection slowly. That's about as specific as it gets. (laughs) Okay, so think for a moment. What would you add to this list? Now, they're all true for all of us a little bit, but like, what's, what's, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? W- w- the, uh, the, something that another person does or a trait about someone that just gets you every time. Maybe it's one of these on this uh, screen here that you would underline, or maybe it's one that we missed. What is it? Now, think about that for a minute. And now, are you ready for the twist that you all knew was coming? <laughs> Psychologists tell us that the trait you would put on this list is what you most worry about in yourself. Oh, I turned it right back on you, right? Whatever trait most bothers you about other people, it's the thing you most worry about in yourself. Maybe it's what, maybe it's what you hate about yourself. Maybe it's something that you actually do. Maybe it's something you're just afraid that you do or, or you don't want to do. But whatever it is you would add to that list, that's the thing that most bothers you about yourself. <laughs> Okay, so we're doing a series right now called When Jesus Spoke to Crowds, What Did He Say? Jesus spent most of his uh, ministry teaching, going from place to place. And what we have in the Bible isn't a transcript. You know, there wasn't video footage of it. What it is, is the gospel writers going around and collecting tidbits. What did he say in your village? What did he say when he came to your town? And then recreate that experience for us. And you see, you see the collection of things that Jesus taught in a couple 
places. There's a, there's a spot in Luke that you'll find many of these same teachings presented by Luke, the gospel writer. But the most complete of them is Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And it's usually called the Sermon on the Mount. We've been going through it. This is the fifth week, I think, if you missed any. It's probably worth going back. They've been good sermons. And I, I like say that because they've been speaking to me too. <laughs> and I hope they have to you. But today we uh, reach Matthew 7 verses 1 through 5. Now that's a shorter passage than some of the others but I think that it's worth it. Macy read it for us well a minute ago but as always I think it helps to hear it more than once to really take root. So listen again it's not very long. Jesus speaking here don't judge so that you won't be judged. You, you will receive the same judgment you give. Whatever you deal out will be dealt out to you. What you what, why do you see the splinter that's in your brother's or sister's eye, but don't notice the log in your own eye? How can you say to your brother or sister, let me take the splinter out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You deceive yourself. First, take the log out of your own eye, then you'll see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's or sister's eye. Don't give holy things. Oh, that goes on to another passage. So you see, this is about judging. So what does it mean to judge someone? Now, in our times, we have judges that preside over trials to assure justice is done, right? Uh, online, I watched a little bit of uh, footage from a courtroom this week, and uh, I, the, ju the judge took issue, like the lawyer went, went a step too far in what he was saying, and the, and the judge said, you know what, that isn't fair, pull it back, let's keep it fair, right? That's the, that's the judge's job, to assure that justice is done, to make sh that sure that things are set fair and right as much as they can be. But when it comes to the Bible, I think oftentimes we hear the word judge in a different way that's really not entirely accurate to what the Bible's trying to say. We hear the word judge and we confuse it with punishment. And especially we tend to hear judgment and in our minds we hear condemnation. But the truth is almost always more complex than that. The truth is almost always more complex. All right, so I'm going to play with you again a little bit. If you saw a man pushing a cart of groceries out of Super Saver without pain, what would you think? No, not what would you do. That's a completely different question. A good one, but a different question. What would you think? Okay, now, if you were in the store and you saw somebody slip something into their pocket, what would you think? You know, I was, uh, um, uh, I I've always wanted to be somebody who reads fiction, and it's never took. I am a non-fiction kind of guy. But I remember starting Les Miserables. Now, you know that book, that it's a big book. I did not finish it. I was grateful for the movie. Any English teachers out there, forgive me. <laughs> I did not make it. However, I was really struck by what happens in the beginning, and it stuck with me to this day. Jean Valjean, the main character, uh, is poor, and his family was hungry, and he steals a loaf of bread. You know, he's, he's at his wit's end. He's watching his children starve. And so he breaks a window and grabs a loaf of bread. Not two loaves of bread. He grabs a loaf of bread to take home to his family. Yes, it's wrong to steal. 
But Victor Hugo, the author, he's saying that the society that judged Jean Valjean and sentenced him to an entire life of punishment for stealing one loaf of bread when it was society that left his family so hungry is far more wrong than he was for stealing the bread. Before you worry about the splinter in Jean Valjean's eye, the splinter, worry about the log in your own eye, France, is what Hugo seemed to be saying. You know, I grew up in the 80s and 90s, uh, and uh, I had a grandpa who was willing to give me a lot of quarters to play video games, and that was the perfect era for it. And I know there's a few of you who are in the same place. And I'll bet you'll have the same little sense of nostalgia if I put this up on the screen. <laughs> you know, this is one of the screens that came up in, in arcade games. There was a whole uh, campaign that was done. This is part of the whole Just Say No campaign and winners don't you use drugs. And every now and then I try to get uh, old arcade games to run on my modern computer to play them again, you know. And uh, whenever I see this, there's always that little bit of nostalgia, you know, of remembering what it was like when I was a kid. And I think uh, campaigns like this did a lot to protect kids. Uh, they really did. And I'm not knocking them. Drugs are terrible things that ruin lives. But now that I'm older and now that I've uh, served, uh, spent time serving people who are struggling, I've come to realize that most drug use isn't people wanting to feel good and do the things that make them feel good so much. It's more self-medication. You know, something else is wrong. Uh, perhaps a mental health condition or broken relationships. There's another problem for which they are self-medicating most of the time. And now I see this and I can't help but think that maybe we put too much of our energy and resources and jailed too many offenders over a symptom, not the disease that underlies it. Before you worry about someone else's splinter, get the log out of your own eye, Jesus says. Now, I have a hunch that we all agree, each in our own way, about all of that, about all of this. It's easy to see Jean Valjean and his loaf of bread, right, versus France. <laughs> but this splinter and, a log, splinter and log thing sneaks into life in insidious ways. And I'll give you, uh, I'll give you an example of myself from a week and a half ago. <laughs> and I'm sure it's happened since then. This just happens to be a good example. You know, I was following the development of the uh, children's COVID-19 vaccine very closely, in part because, well, I'm just a researcher who likes to see how the world works. But in in part because I have two kids. You know, I wanted to follow how this was going so that it would be safe for my kids and so that I could get them the extra protection just as soon as I could. So I researched a lot. And uh, as uh, uh, just in case you don't know it, the vaccine is now available to children to protect uh, the kids because the risks of the risk of the disease are far uh, greater than the risks of the vaccine. Uh, but it also will help us as a society, beat, uh, uh, as a society, uh, beat the virus. Now I've already heard stories of Trinity kids seeing each other in line at the pharmacy, <laughs> and that warms my heart. My kids have their yearly well checks uh, in about a week, I believe it is, and. Uh, uh, and already I feel like I'm behind because we're waiting for them to get their shots. But before it was approved, I saw polling data that said probably about a third of parents would get the vaccine as soon as possible. About a third of parents were hesitant and needed to learn a little more. And about a third of parents were, were resistant and would at the very least wait to get the vaccine for their kids. What I didn't realize 
is that I was stereotyping those groups in my head. Now, I'm not proud of this. I'm not proud of this at all. But I realized that in my mind, I was working from the assumption that two-thirds of parents who, who were either hesitant or resistive were all formed by misinformation, that they were all fooled. And I think in my heart of hearts, I was judging too many of them to be Fox News watchers who were putting their kids at, own risk, at, their, at risk by their own foolishness. Then God hit me upside the head. <laughs> I, saw some inter I saw some interviews on the news with parents who were either resistant or hesitant. And I was expecting to hear misinformation, right? I was expecting to hear the usual bits of misinformation spouted back. But no, those parents were really smart. <laughs> and they were asking really good questions. And in fact, one of them was so good that it made me think, oh... I want to hear the answer to that before I take my kids. Like, that's how good these questions were. Here I was assuming that any parent who was hesitant even in the slightest was some kind of fooled by misinformation when the truth is I was stereotyping and they were smart parents who cared for their kids very much. There I was judging and not even realizing I was doing it. Luckily, the pediatrician on the show uh, took the splinters out of their eyes and answered their questions really well, but it was me who had a log for judging. Now, it's worth pointing out that Jesus does not say, never worry about your friend's splinter. In fact, what Jesus says is, take care of the log so that you can help your friend with their splinter. He doesn't say we never help one another. There are times when we need each other for outside perspective or perhaps to hold us accountable or to inspire us to live a better life. But even then, isn't there a difference between helping and judging? Helping builds a person up while judging tears them down. Helping speaks out of concern. Judging speaks out of criticism. You see the difference? Concern versus criticism. Helping comes from a place of love. Judging, I think, comes from a place of resentment. So Jesus isn't saying never help your friend with their splinter. He's just saying work on yourself first. Now, you know the old phrase, when you point at someone, you have three fingers pointing back at yourself? I don't know, that seems like a pretty good ratio to me. If you really want to help others, spend three times as long working on yourself so that you'll be ready to do it well. Now, Jesus' words, they're not new either. Often in both the Old Testament and the New, God says that judgment belongs only to God, but... We come back to where we started. What is judgment in the first place? What even is judgment when it comes to God? Because I'm convinced that it means something very different to God than it does to us. God's main interest isn't to punish us, isn't to smite us down. Isn't the word smite a great word? <laughs> but that's not God's interest. God's interest is to set things right, to make sure that everything is fair, to make sure that things are working the way that they ought to be. That's what God is interested in. And in fact, when it says, uh, when Jesus says in the scripture, don't judge so that you won't be judged. I think set right would be something you could substitute in there. Don't try to set things right yourself. Because if you do, you're, you're the one that's going to need to be set right. <laughs> Don't judge so that you won't be judged. 
But what we see in Jesus isn't a God who wants to smack us down because we're less than perfect. What we see in Jesus is a God who wants to go to extreme lengths to make us and the whole world whole. Now this is where a lot of preachers would probably talk about the cross, right? The God who would die for us to go to those extreme lengths, and that's true. But to me, the greater miracle is the empty tomb. The greater miracle is the empty tomb when Jesus rose three days later. Because it was not just by dying, but by living, that Jesus demonstrated the short, that the shortcomings of this world are nothing to him. Through the empty tomb, Jesus confronted us with the fact that he will never leave us dangling with logs in our eyes. <laughs> with his risen presence, Jesus showed us that God makes all things new and that neither splinters nor even logs will bother us even more. Our God is not a God who succumbs to logs in eyes, but who repurposes those logs to build us a cabin where those worries are no more. So guard yourself. Guard yourself against the ways judgment sneaks into your life because it is sneaky. Work on yourself at least three times as much as you work on other people. But in the end, remember that God is making all things new. That God is making all people new that God is making a new creation out of even me, out of even us. Let's pray. Oh God, thank you for the ways you are making all things new. Thank you that you give us a sense of right and wrong. Thank you that you inspire us for ways that we can be better ourselves. But Lord, help us not to take the cop out by worrying more about others than we do about our own selves. Help us to be better, to think better, to see the world more clearly, more wholly, and less judgmentally. And by your grace, help us to remove the logs from our own eyes that indeed we might be part of building that cabin that you have promised for the whole world. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's Sunday Sermon. For more information on growth groups or how to more fully embrace the life of faith, visit us at www.trinitylincoln.org.